In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, what if you woke up to discover you were once the child on the side of a milk carton? Welcome to GirlfriendIt, where Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan of GirlfriendIt.com, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. Okay, so that is a wild question you just put out there. And I can't wait to chat with our best-selling author, Tish Cohen, to see where this is going. Well, my, my question for this morning is, what if you wake up and realize that your life just simply is not turning out the way you wanted it? So are you saying that there's no fairy tale ending, that there's no one galloping in to rescue you in the white horse? That is the land where you live, that land far, far away. Well, I still believe in that. I really do. I believe that it's all about our choices, and we really can have that, that white horse and that knight in shining armor that comes in and, and takes all of our problems and worries away. <laughs> and you know what? And that's what one of the many things I love about you, because you do believe that. And I think so many times I feel like I'm living in the land of misfits, and I am like queen of the misfits sometimes. <laughs> I love the land of misfits. We can all be misfits in our fun way. We I just, do, and I wouldn't change it because everybody needs to be a little quirky, a little misfit to really add that character and that personality and that fun. And that's what, that's what kind of colors life. And I think it allows you to go into that land far, far away that so many people dare not go. <laughs> well, we can all be misfits and quirky and be eccentric with our weird, bizarre personalities. But I do think that um, we need to be intentional with your day and you need to figure out, like, like even um, give yourself a grade. Like, wake up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going to make this a, a 10. And, like, this morning I would wake up and I, I, would, I would say I would give myself a six of where I am and what I need to get accomplished. So what you're saying is basically we can change the course of our day. Because I think so many times we wake up and we just kind of roll Go with the flow. We survive. And whatever, well, and we just react to the day. We allow the day to dictate how we feel and how we're going to be. And we just kind of take on whatever happens. And then we just adjust to it instead of consciously making a decision to go, I can change the course of my day. I can control my day and how, I mean, not everything can you control, but you can control some yeah. things. And, and add balance to your life and what that looks like and what you're intentional exactly. with. I know. For me, as, as you well know, after a decade of, of having to put up with me. A that decade. <laughs> and I must say, I must interrupt. You made a comment the other day about you're wasting the best years of your life on me <laughs> because we see each other almost every day working together. We travel. And, and 
you know, do so many life experiences together. And actually, I take that as a compliment. So <laughs> <laughs> that I dress up for you. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I, I put that weight, that grade in my life on what I produce and the results that you that are I very produce. results oriented. Yes. At the end of the day. And what I have found that I need to really balance it and go, okay, but what's your grade spiritually? Are you taking that time to just be still and have that quiet time with the Lord? Are you, um, how are you doing mentally? Are you reading those books that are going to challenge you? Are you doing that in your day? And how are you emotionally with, you know, the relationships? And, and that's what I value the most. Am I really fulfilling and that? And having healthy relationships. And yeah, and, and using that as part of the grade, that that is also, those are results. Right. And so many times it's what I actually at the end of the day. So you really have to have that balance when you're grading yourself, grade on every level and be holistic about it. Well, and you know what's interesting is we did this thing called successful living like a year ago and it, it helps you, it challenges you and I kind of compartmentalize your life into different, you know, folders or whatever and um, accounts. And one of them, you know, was like the, the uh, priority account and then there was your, like your, your fitness, health and your fitness account. And that is probably the one I struggle the most when you're talking about the holistic approach. It's just that the physical part is being, you know, just incorporating that into your day and just really um, embracing that from the eating to the to the working out. And you are so good at that. And I just have to say it was so funny because I could it had you had to put down the things you struggle with in that area. And my list was just going da da da, da you know, finding the time and doing this and making it. And yours was you couldn't you couldn't. You couldn't find much because you work out all the time. You're like in such fit shape, and you do your little triathlons and everything that. else. You really are. You are, you are an inspiration on that, and a poster child for that. But um, I, I know your thing was you eat too much preservatives, which I totally embrace, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but that it was funny that that was kind of your your take on that. Oh well. I, I, I'm just sitting here soaking in all those compliments that you just gave me. I, <laughs> <laughs> what we wanted to say is to give people a formula of how they can really go supercharge and do the remarkable. And sometimes it starts out with just literally waking up in the morning and go, I am going to make that choice. I'm going to make that choice to be golden and move forward. Well, and you know what? That is interesting because years ago when we first met, over a decade ago, like I said, you told me that you really are golden and it's the favorite child. You were the youngest of six in your family and you were daddy's favorite and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then I realized you really were golden. You really are golden because these amazing <laughs> all would, the compliments. Well, these morning. things would happen to you that I would just be the bystander watching them. And because we are a wee thing, I really am secure with that. And I was secure with that. I mean, I do have my golden moments, but it's like, <laughs> it's fun to watch your golden moments, you know? And, uh, I, and I think uh, a kind of an aha thing was uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were up in Seattle with a bunch of girlfriends talking and you, we were talking about this whole thing of golden and I realized you really choose to be golden. It, and, and I think so much, I was responding golden happens. It happens. It just happens. And it's not really a choice that you can control. And you really do, you decide I'm going to be golden. And I, that was like such a kind of a, Wow, I need to decide to be golden, not just let, let situations and people dictate that. Right. Because then that's fleeting. Then it's like some days are more golden than others. And, you know, depending on, it's kind of on a whim. You really can't choose to be golden. Yes. And once you make that decision and go, okay, God created me, I am, I am wonderfully and beautifully created, 
what am I going to do with this? And so many times, if we're, if we're not believing that, then we really are calling God a liar. And we're moving forward just in, um, I don't know, we're just beating ourselves up. And, and once we do embrace that, you really do look at life differently. And it's also a filter of what you allow um, your mind to think about, what images you let in, what, uh, how you let what others say about you. If you decide you're holding, you're not going to listen to that. And then there are always so many voices. I think as women, too, we get caught in that because we allow so many other people to dictate who we are and who our identity is. And if we're beautiful and if we're all this, we, we, and we allow other standards to dictate who we are instead of really going, I really am golden because of how I was created. And I have my own unique set of gifts and abilities. And, you know, and it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. We can learn from that. We all have past experiences that have helped shape form who we are and going into but it, you know it's so easy to beat ourselves up and say you know i'm not golden because we we miss things or we we, we kind of messed up you know what i mean or well, forgot something absolutely and life really interrupts a vision and if we can sit here and say this you know make it look like oh yeah just give yourself a, a grade and start out and just make a decision and, <laughs> and go through and do and you will have a golden day yes but we know that life does interrupt the vision. And well, for example, yesterday, it was hysterical. I, um, I, just with, you know, summertime, all the kids are home. Kevin called to ask me to take chicken out of the freezer. I had my youngest on the phone asking a bunch of girlfriends over for a pool party. I had my other one, Kaylee, that needed me to drive her all the way across town. And um, the person who was waiting for her was already, you know, driving there. And I had my son saying he wanted to go to the movies. So you have all these people talking to you literally at the same time while you're trying to take a phone call. Well, you know, believe it or not. Don't I know, you multitask well? <laughs> I know this surprises you, <laughs> but I never did get the chicken out of the freezer. You know, that one little <laughs> tiny task. Well, the culinary thing is really not your thing anyway. So I could see that moving down to the low priority. <laughs> so life does interrupt the vision. So on that, on, on the grade, on the, um, on the relational and the emotional side, I would have to give myself a two for not meeting every single person's need. But there. do we ever meet every single person's need in the day? Exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, is that, is that we have realistic expectations of ourselves, or do we have really unrealistic ones that we'll never fulfill, so we'll never be golden? Exactly. Well, I, I love this quote from, from Wayne Gretzky about most players are pretty good, but they go to where the puck is. I go where the puck is going to be. And um, that's so true. We need to look at the big picture and, and move towards that rather than just waking up and just basically surviving and just following everything around and getting things done. We need to look at the big picture. Well, and you know what? We're talking about, you know, making a decision, deciding to be golden, deciding to do, you know, to create your day a little bit. And I love, there's a quote by, by Charles Swindoll, and it's like, it really is about attitude. And it's like choosing, you can, you can control your attitude. You can't control a lot of other things or how people respond or things that happen in the day unexpectedly. But I like, he says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude is, to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, the education, all that. And he goes on to say that the remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. I love that because I think that is just a challenge each one of us to remember. We have a choice in how we're going to approach the day and go into the day. And if we allow other things to dictate the day, are we going to just go, no? Exactly. And we cannot change the past. So many times we let the past beat us up. But we just have to go, that happened, and now we can change 
what the future looks like. And it, it, I'm so excited because coming back after commercial, since we have the best-selling author, Fish Cohen, I think she has a whole different explanation to waking up and seeing your face on the side of a milk carton. Well, and I can't wait to hear her approach. And I know she has some profound words. I, I her writing is, you know, and we've seen her books in Barnes and Noble and, and picked them up. Yeah, you know, and, and, and okay, hunted just, her down. Yes, and then hunted <laughs> her down. So it's going to stay with us as we uh, as we talk with Tish and hear more and hear more about that question and kind of take it to a, a different level. So we're excited. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Togginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta is on Toginet, Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. The Mommy Mentor is all about family, daily life struggles, saving money, weight loss, cooking, organizing, relationships, and a touch of inspiration and motivation. Phyllis ensures through the Mommy Mentor that moms have a voice, a shoulder, a friend. Phyllis is an amazing woman who has the ability to weather the storm with her pearls on and keep right on going. And the Mommy Mentor was born of that spirit because at any given moment, you might find yourself in need of support from someone who has been there. And Phyllis has definitely been there. With her husband and three kids, the struggles they faced, that's what the Mommy Mentor is all about. One mommy showing support for another mommy. Whether you're a seasoned veteran mommy or a brand new mommy, the Mommy Mentor is here to offer you support, share stories, connect on a spiritual level, and make new friends. Check out themommymentor.com. And then don't miss the show, The Mommy Mentor with Phyllis Palmetta. Tuesday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
come and gone away in Paris and Rome, but I wanna go home. Here we go. Thanks, Jelly. Talking about life interrupts the vision. <laughs> life definitely interrupts the vision. Tish, are you there? Hi, Patty. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Tish. <laughs> we are so excited. I don't know if um, our listeners caught, but we have uh, Tish Cohen. She's a best-selling author, and we are. So, it, this is such an honor to have you on the show. Sorry so much about our little technical difficulties here. And um, we know your time is so valuable and you are just busy and swamped with all the books you've been writing. But we're especially excited about your new novel, The Truth About Delilah Blue. So tell us a little bit about um, you, Tish, and what brought you to this wonderful book. Uh, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your show. I love your show. It's so much fun. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I started writing books about seven or eight, nine years ago. I started writing adult fiction adult-length manuscripts. I had tried kids' books earlier and, um, and sort of fell in love with, with adult books. And um, was put, my, my first book out was Townhouse, about an agoraphobic man who, um, who is the son of a rock superstar, and the bank is taking his house away. And this one is being made into a movie with Fox. And um, right now we have Amy Adams starring in it, wow. as well as Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I love Amy of, Adams. Isn't she a sweetheart? Yes, that her movie Enchanted is one of my all-time favorites. I just love her. You must have daughters because I have sons and I haven't seen Enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to tell you, Tish, when we watched Enchanted, we had a bunch of girlfriends over, and Patty made us dress up like oh. like in our princess things, and so we had the whole experience as these mature women that we are, and we had a blast. <laughs> That's fantastic. When when it comes out, when Townhouse is going to come out, I'm going to do that with my girlfriends. Oh, and watch fun. Enchanted. Oh, it, it does totally make the experience. And then, of course, we had to take pictures and, you know, you had to be oh. cheesy and create the moment. So it was it was very fun. Okay, I have to ask you, though, talking about having one of your books become, we have so many questions, but uh, this one, having one of your books become an actual movie that Hollywood adapts, what is that like? I mean, what are those feelings? I mean, is that something you ever anticipated? I didn't at all. I, I wrote this book in my spare bedroom, and as I was writing it, I was not published at the time. I did have an agent, and as I was writing, I thought, huh, this seems, you know, like a movie to me. And then I thought, okay, stop it, Tish. Don't even say that to your agent because you'll sound like a complete amateur. <laughs> and, and we weren't intending for this to go to Hollywood at all. My agent sent it out to editors in New York, and the editors flipped it to literary scouts in Hollywood. And so really? it was this crazy, crazy whirlwind, all these studios had it, and Fox wound up um, swooping in with a preemptive offer that took everybody off the table. It was a, a crazy experience that I was not prepared for. Um, happy, I was very happy that it happened, but I was, was not thinking, you know, I was hoping for a book deal at the very most. And yeah. so this happened before it even sold as a book, which was unusual as well. Mm -hmm. But going through the process now, now I know... Um, you know, don't get too excited. Hollywood takes its time. Yeah, <laughs> Things yeah. don't happen quickly <laughs> in Hollywood. So the, the book sold in October 2005. So now we're just getting ready to film. You know, we're just getting close to filming at this point. But honestly, wow. it's been fascinating 
to read somebody else's interpretation of this story because many things have to change for a book to become a film. It has to become about a third the length that it is in book form. So obviously things have to be cut out. Things have to be amalgamated. And John Carney, who wrote and directed the movie once, that Irish independent film, I don't know if you saw it. If you haven't, you should see it. It's just a beautiful film. Um, he, He rewrote townhouse and just did a spectacular job i read the first page of the script and i thought oh, i love it <laughs> well you know what and that's unusual because so many authors i mean we've talked we've talked to a, a gentleman who they're about ready to produce his book and it's one of those things sometimes they can change it so much that you don't even recognize your story and the fact that you read it and went oh i love it that says a lot about you know the writer and and john and everything that well, he could I- capture that and you're still happy with that I am, and he did change things. My real estate agent is now a call girl. That's a huge change that, that <laughs> could have upset me, but it didn't. He did such a sweet job with it. Um, I absolutely love what he did. Many things have changed in the book. Many things have stayed the same. But I think when you are getting involved with Hollywood, if you are willing to sell your own creative property to someone else, to, to and they are going to then take it and reimagine it and, 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 and take it to the next level, I think you have to be willing to be open to writers changing your work. Actors will yeah. then bring something else to your work. Editors will bring something else to your work. Um, and I think you have to be open from the start. Otherwise, you could go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you, you almost look at it from a, an arrogant perspective of it right. has to be done my, my way. When everybody brings their creativity, it can really enhance it. it you know, really um, Tish, you said something, though, that I just love because we were talking about how you have to choose, um, you know, daily and what your day is going to look like and all those choices obviously add up to what your life is going to look like. But when you said when you were writing the book, you literally started feeling like this is a movie. And um, it, it takes um, it takes a very creative mind and a very disciplined mind to even start thinking that way. And I just think that's so cool because it follows exactly what we were talking about. I love that you were already picturing it as a movie, and I think it, it probably even made, as you were writing, made the book flow so much better. It may have. I think to watch, to, to see a book unfold visually as you're writing probably helps. In some, some con- subconscious way, I'm probably doing something that makes it more appealing maybe to Hollywood. They, they can see it more easily as a film. Um, but for me, it helps to create scenes that are real if I'm watching it unfold as I'm writing it. And that is sort of, sort of how I write. I tend to see it. I'll tend to imagine the scene unfolding. The night before, I'll imagine the scene before I've written it. And, then, and I do plan my days then, and I am planning, this is, this, this is the scene I will write. I've already lived that scene. I've already walked through that scene and, and been each, experienced it as each character from each person's point of view. So I know it before I write it then, which helps that a lot. You know, and that, backing up a little bit, because we were talking about, you know, putting life into motion kind of too. It's like you can have ideas and you can, uh, or you can just sit back and, and see if they happen or you can go make them happen. And obviously you had this gift of writing and you had these ideas in your head and you took the time and the discipline to put it down on paper, to create the story, let it unfold. Can you just talk with people? Because I know there's there's women and people sitting out there going, I have ideas for something or I want to do something beyond where I'm at. And yet they don't know even how to get started or how to make it happen. Can you kind of address that? Just how you sure. got started? I was in that exact place. 
I was wondering why I had gone from job to job to job and other people hadn't. I was wondering what, what is wrong with me? Why am I so broken? And then I thought to myself, hey, maybe that's a book. And that was mm-hmm. how, how I came, you know, this is a book that never got published and will never see the light of day. It lives under my bed. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, um, I thought I will try, and here's what you have to do. Don't look at it as one huge, gigantic goal that mm-hmm. all, that's all or nothing. I, I started out I, knowing I would write one page. I would mm. take one day and I would write one page. And I knew I could write one page. I could put, I could fill a page with words. <laughs> I could mm-hmm. do that. They may not be good words, but I could fill a page with words. And I did that. I, I wrote my page. I called my best friend, and I, I read it to her. And she laughed. And then I thought, okay. I'm and that's all it another took. Page. <laughs> and, and so that's how that first book was built. Just wow. one page at a time. And, and, and boy, did I have doubts. And boy, did I think I didn't tell anyone what I was doing because I was embarrassed. They would think I was crazy. Who did I think I was writing a book? I did still think this, that's for special people. And that's something I think people have to get away from. Whatever it is that their dream is, is not just for special people, that they can do it too. Absolutely. And Nobody's that is a special. We're all, we're all the same, really. We're just, we're, we're just all plugging away and getting up in the morning and putting on our pants. And um, nobody is special. So it's just, it's just somebody who took the time and had the belief. When I was writing Townhouse, I, I had... I, I, in gigantic type, I printed off a piece of paper that said, this is the book. And I mm. stuck that to my computer. And every single day, I knew that to my toes. Because I had had other books not, you know, had other books be rejected before that. This was not my first attempt. And I was well, so determined. Know, that's a, that is such a great point. Because we have one minute here to wrap it up till we get in the next section. And you've just, you've just unfolded so many different questions and ideas. But one of the things you said just now is you've had, you had you know, rejection. And I think so many times people stop right there when they get that first, you know, not so positive feedback and they go, okay, I can't yeah. do this. This is not me. And they stop right there instead of going, okay, how can I recreate or reinvent or rearrange and, and keep going and not stopping going? I still have, like in your case as a writer, I still have a book inside me. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. I still have this book inside of me. And to keep going and to persevere, that is just so significant. And I think we need to hear that message over and over again. I think you have to take that rejection, learn from it. What did I do wrong? What can I change and move on? You can weep for a day, but you can't weep for more than one day. The next Mm. day you move on, you move forward. I love that. We're allowed to weep for one day. Yeah, one day on the floor in front of the mail slot (laughs) when you open the rejection. (laughs) That's fine. And after that, that's it. Dust yourself off. The next day it's onward. All right. Well, stay with us, Tish. We're going to have you right after this commercial. Thanks. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Are you going through a crisis? Do you have a tough question you want an answer to? This is your show. 
It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Brilliant Essence speaks to the empowerment of women to find their highest power. Your host, Astrid Stromberg, channels answers to the toughest questions women ask of themselves. Issues ranging from divorce to gifted children to am I safe to fly to where's my soulmate, your life's mission, your lucky streak, and your highest self all come to life with Brilliant Essence. Astrid specializes in spirit communication and spirit life empowerment. She is the founder of Brilliant Essence and contributor to the book Living Our Soul Map. Unleashing the Warrior Goddess Within. For more information on Astrid and Brilliant Essence, go to BrilliantEssence.com. Giving you the power to be. It's Brilliant Essence with Astrid Stromberg. Monday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right, welcome back. We have best-selling author Tish Cohan with us this morning, and she just now has a new novel, The Truth About Delilah Blue. And Tish, I have to tell you, you have said some really great, encouraging words, even to Lisa and I. Uh, we were contacted from Tyndale Publishing to write a book, and we've been writing on that. We're now at the editing stages. And I have to tell you, the permission just to go weep for a day <laughs> has been really good advice. Because um, our question to you is, how do you come up with these fresh stories, and what draws you to the unusual? Um, well, I've suffered from panic attacks much of my life. So I think that I see the world a little bit differently than most people. I think that I'm intrigued rather by astonished, rather, rather than being astonished by um, what is unusual, what is eccentric. Um, I think that no one is really as eccentric as they seem from afar. I think distance mm. skews our perception. Once you look closely, you, understand, you can understand a person, a person who, um, who, has, who has a serious quirk. Uh, you may, like in Townhouse, Jack Madigan is agoraphobic. He's afraid to step out his front door. So, um, you know, to, to another person, another person may have the same level of phobia. They may be afraid of alligators, and you would think, well, that's cute. He's afraid of alligators. How darling. He's never going to encounter an alligator walking down the street in, say, New York, where he lives. However, um, Jack's phobia, somebody who's afraid to go outside, appears, this person appears crazy out from the outside. But this person is largely the same. It's just that to him, the alligators are roaming free. They're outside his front door. So I think when you look closely at what is quirky and what is eccentric and what is unusual, it's not that unusual. You know, you, you can mm-hmm. sort of take a more empathic look at it. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you, you start out um, your new book about what if you found that your childhood face was on a milk carton? What, what even brought that on? Because that is so intriguing. What, what brought this on was my father had had a major surgery, and 
all of the kids, we, we all live on the East Coast. My dad lives in California. And uh, the sort of re- first-time responsibility as adult children that we had to go care for my father, our father. And, um, it, it, you know, we all had to disrupt our lives, and, and we were happy to do it. We needed, he needed help. He needed two weeks of care after surgery. And it sort of the question struck me that what if somebody, I mean, most children are, are happy to, to do this. What if a child has been seriously wronged by this parent? And I sort of got fascinated by, by that question. How would they then feel when, when the parent then becomes the vulnerable one? Mm-hmm. I mean, serious, a parent who seriously wronged the child. So in this case, um, the issue of parental abduction came about. And uh, what, if, what if a parent had abducted his own child? How would that child feel later in life? How would that child, as that person becomes more vulnerable? And so um, the father in Delilah Blue um, is succumbing to Alzheimer's, and he's really going downhill. He's becoming more and more almost a child, and he needs more and more care from his daughter. And and what sort of um, feelings would she be having? Would she be angry, indifferent? Would she um, want to get revenge? It sort of seemed a great way to to, to, uh, start a story. Wow. Well, you know what? In your novel, you tackle some of these dark issues like you're talking about, but you also incorporate a lot of humor and a bit of whimsy. And, and Patty and I are one that we just, we believe you really got to bring laughter and you got to find the, you know, the fun yeah. and bring yeah. that because life is so serious and it's like, and it's not being disrespectful or inappropriate, which we've been called inappropriate in a good way. Um, <laughs> and we're okay with that. Um, but you have to laugh sometimes in spite of this. Can you just talk about that? Because sometimes people will even say, how can you laugh about such a dark time in life or whatever? And it's like, but why not? You know, yes. so can you kind of address that, how you how you kind of combine that? I think that that's the way to survive the dark times. I mean, not fully. You can't laugh throughout. Exactly. But I think with a little bit of distance, if you can laugh at yourself and if you can find find a little spark of, you know, the flower in the, in the, in the, concrete patio. I mean, I think that's what keeps us going. I think that, I think it's really important to do that. And I also think when it comes to fears, um, I think that laughter helps take the sting out and it helps take the power out of something like anxiety or, or, or larger issues like that, that people deal with every day. Wow. Well, Tish, I have to go back to the fact that you're taking care of your father do you have some of these emotions? Did you go through this to even think that way? Are you with, gosh, I really don't want to take care of my dad. Well, I mean, we, my sister and I faced a struggle because we have kids in school. We were both, it, it, was, it happened during an extremely busy time for both of us. And who could get up and go? Who, could, who, could, who, who had care for their children? Who had, mm-hmm. It became an issue of, of, I mean, all of us would have loved to have been able to go, but who has time to do this, who, whose life is more movable. And yeah. so it was a struggle, and it did, it did really make me think about, okay, there's more of this in our future, obviously, you know, with, with two parents, and, um, and then, of course, my in-laws, and, you know, we all face this as we get older, and um, it is a struggle. You do want to be there, yet you have other demands. It, it's really tough. And I just mm-hmm. thought, well, how, how could that decision be made tougher? Wow. By, by is, creating a father that, you know, someone... Yeah, on some level, might hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, um, this is a total side note, but Lisa and I just recently met a young gal in her 20s who had um, 
been sexually abused by her father and she was struggling with the fact he, he was in prison and she was struggling with the fact that she still really, really loved her father. And she felt this is like horrific that I can love this man who obviously the world has put in prison because it was such a heinous crime. Wow. And how do you deal with with that? So th- and, and that's so are- fascinating because the world is not it's never, never, never black and white. It's always mm-hmm. gray. Mm-hmm. It's always messy. You know, we have to say life is just, it's messy sometimes, and especially with relationships and with family dynamics and relationships. And, um, and don't you find that even the older you get, the more you, you see about family dynamics that you didn't see earlier on, or or more comes to surface a reality that you have to, it taps into a different set of emotions. Yes. And, and and often you understand more too. You're able Mm -hmm. to see the things that, that infuriated you about your parents when you're younger, you can now sort of accept and understand and think, okay, well, you know, they didn't maybe they didn't have the perfect upbringing either, and they were doing the best they can they could with what they had to work with, mm-hmm. which is what, well, which you, is all we can expect of anybody. I mean, we're all you know doing the best we can every day. Exactly. Well, you know what? And in your your new book about the truth about Delilah Blue, there's some interesting parallels you say between you and Delilah Blue. And how you you moved from Toronto to L.A. as a child with your dad when your parents split up and and you were an inspiring, you know, artist and illustrator. So how has your background and your passion for art kind of enthused your new novel come into play here? Uh, My father did move us from Toronto to L.A. And as he he, actually there are a lot of similarities between my dad and and Victor Mack and Delilah Blue. My dad had a vintage 240Z Datsun. With no back seat, so four kids, we would all be lying <laughs> in the hatch area, looking up at the stars, being driven everywhere, and we just thought that was the best way to travel. Seatbelts, mm-hmm. forget it. There were no seatbelts. Yes. We were on the back of his motorcycle on the highway, and you know we lived this sort of reckless life, and so so that is sort of similar to the way Delilah has been brought up. And I was also born with an unusual birthmark, and that helped shape my identity, um, much like mm-hmm. Delilah Blue. Um, her birthmark actually changes, her, ends up changing her life as she is becomes a nude model. Mm. That decision, she 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 wants to go to art school so badly she can't afford it, so she she's um, modeling nude, hoping to to gain a little in, uh, gain a little knowledge as she's listening to the professor's talk. Um, but this sort of this act lifts the veil from her world, which was once insular, and so which is how her mother comes into her life. But um, so, so definitely a lot of things from... Now, I did not nude model, but I was an art student as well. So um, I guess it was a matter of time until the art world made it into one of my books. Mm-hmm. And that is fascinating. You talked about, you know, the birthmark. And I think so many times, um, as women especially, we feel marked. And we might not have that physical birthmark, but we, we feel marked in some way. And we see it as, as um, such a deterrent in our life that I cannot achieve my goals or I cannot go forward because I have this mark, whatever it is. And that is interesting how, you know, you can use that mark, though, to help propel you and to, to kind of rethink through some things and to repackage that right. mark. And I think that having that mark, whatever it may be, um, can propel you to, to accomplish something. I think that what that does then is it, it, even if it's not necessary, you develop other skills. You compensate in other ways, and that's what makes a person interesting. I think that's what makes well, a person. That's what gives a person drive and determination. And whereas, if, if somebody's had it all easy and everything's been perfect, 
that person may be more content to sort of sit back and let life happen. Mm-hmm. And those are all such great qualities. Well, you obviously have the determination and the drive. And we have to ask you, we only have two minutes left. How does it feel to be Hollywood's new it author with Townhouse about to go into production with big names attached to the film? What, you know, what's next for you and how it has to be so surreal. It is. It is. Um, and very exciting. And honestly, as I said before, I am honored that anybody would take a, a work of mine and and then re-envision it and recreate it in another form. I just think it's the ultimate. Um, it's the ultimate for me to see to watch that happen, and is is almost as exciting as as watching your child grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's been really exciting. And at this point, I'm working on. I've just finished um, my fourth adult novel, and by that I mean I'm novel for adults. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just finished my. my <laughs> let's clarify that. And it's funny you were talking about the girl who had been abused by her father. That's that's my part of my premise in this book, actually. So it's a little bit dark. It's a little bit funny, and it's a whole lot whimsical. This book. Wow. So do you just keep having stories that are inside? That as you as you write one book, you 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 have other ideas on the back burner. You're going, okay, that could be another great idea for another novel. Absolutely. In fact, the the. The um, idea, part of the idea for Delilah Blue came when I was in Los Angeles promoting Townhouse, and I was staying at my my cousin's Hollywood Hills cabin. And not only did that cabin become the the um, the, the place of residence in Truth of Delilah Blue, but a coyote walked by really close to us. I mean, he, I could have reached out and touched him. And that mm-hmm. that whole um, concept of living in an urban environment so close to wildlife fascinated me and inspired a whole sub- subplot of, of um, urban coyotes, which made its way into the truth about Delilah Blue. So it was funny how, the, you know, just being there for the one book ended up really creating the, the um, home for the next book. Well, you know what? We have got to go. This has been so um, just enlightening and inspiring just hearing you talk. And I think we're walking away with so many great ideas and concepts and things to think about. And just like how you take life and you just put it in motion and you've taken things from the past and you've allowed them to be repackaged to something really beyond and um, just encouraging to other people. So thank you for sharing your story and your time. And we have Lynn Rush coming up next. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. 
and two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, fairytalewishesinc.com. And for Deanna, thenextbigzing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon central time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it in no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Caldwell and Corey Caldwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the greening with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon central time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we have had a crazy morning with all kinds of fun technical issues, but that's what makes the day And now we have Lynn Rush, another author and just fabulous person that we have had the honor to get to know. But Lynn, before we um, go into some great questions with you, uh, we just want to mention that Tish Cohen, you can find out a little bit more about her by going to our site. And her new book is coming out June 8th, The Truth About Delilah Blue. So Lynn, tell us a little bit about what got you into writing. Hi, thanks you guys for having me on the show. Um, actually, I can kind of relate to Patty. I'm a fan of Frankie Peretti. And oh, I love I, Frank Peretti. <laughs> and I read uh, one of his stories a few years ago, and it kind of ignited a story that had been brewing in my head from earlier, so I went with it. Okay, so which, which Frank Peretti book did you like? Oh, This Present Darkness. Yes. One of my favorites. Yes, definitely. Makes you think completely different about the, the spiritual realm. <laughs> so oh, ha- for has sure. writing for you been a, a dream since like childhood? or is, a, is that a gift that you knew you had and then you've decided to like, okay, I'm going to put it into motion? Or was that something that you have discovered over time? Well, I pretty much stumbled into writing. I did not grow up hoping to be a writer uh, I did not grow up writing wonderful stories and poems or anything like that. So it's very strange. Okay, actually. I like you now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us, did you get an A in English? Well, you know, I was not a very good student. Um, I like it, you even more. <laughs> <laughs> the desire to study caught me in college. High school was a little, yeah, not so great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, I think sometimes when you drive, by the time you get to college, you kind of know where you're going or maybe have an idea and you're taking it a little more seriously, you know, because it's like, okay, I got to I got to be an adult now. I, you know, exactly. and I maybe need to pay attention here. <laughs> well, exactly. You, is it was it Frank Peretti, though, that got you into more of the um, the paranormal type writing or do you I mean, is yours more fiction, nonfiction? Yeah, you know, I've always been into the the paranormal type stuff. I mean, like the Hulk, the superheroes growing up, watching them on TV, um, the movies. Okay, you've got Patty's attention. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) So I've always loved that realm of of all of the, the movies and TV shows. Well, you know what? Why do you think that is? Why do you think some people are very analytical and see things black and white and some like, are you more artsy as well? Yeah, I would have to say yes. <laughs> okay. I just think that's interesting how um, some people just really think on that level. They don't think black and white. You think more of what's going on in a different realm. It's kind of what um, Tish was just talking about, how you can really get into the the phobic quirkiness of, you know, there's alligators outside my door, and that becomes reality to you. Of, right. You know, I, I know... Um, there was something on television just the other day that my kids were telling me about where this, this guy uh, had to work out like five times a day. He would leave his house on the way to work. And then he would have, you know, at his office, he would have to do, you know, sit-ups and push-ups and just how oh, you wow. get into this whole different quirkiness of life. Like what triggers your mind to even think that way? It's really weird. It's fascinating. You know, yeah. When you think about well, what helps? Well, and that's what makes the world go round because everybody has different uh, lenses, how they look on life and different interests. And it's like, you're so talking Patty's language. She has the biggest smile on her face when you're talking about your, how, what intrigues you because you're, you're so where she's at. And we always, we joke with her because she lives in a land far, far away. And, and I love (laughs) that land. I like to go there with her sometimes. So anyway, it's just, I wish you could, you could see our faces because we're laughing. (laughs) Okay, Lynn, we have to ask you. We were talking um, earlier today about, uh, you know, waking up and seeing your picture on the milk carton. Do you you wake up in the morning and you wonder if your life has turned out the way you you planned it? I mean, are you in in disbelief that it's so exciting or do you feel that, gosh, I really didn't think I'd be where I am today? I tell you, I mean, that's a great question. question. (laughs) I I am so not where I thought I would be. Wow. (laughs) I never thought I would be in this situation at all. I it's it's a surprise, and I actually wake up in the morning thinking, "Am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like what God wants me to do?" That's really what I ask myself most of the time because I never thought I'd be here. So I'm like, "Okay, God, if this is where you want me, I'll be there." Yeah. yeah. Well, you have a huge following. We always call that a, a tribe um, where you're putting things out there, and people are intrigued and they and they want to read what you have to say. How, how do you start that? How do you help other women? Um, you know, we always talk about rallying others to do the remarkable. How did you get into that where you thought, I'm, I'm going to have a voice here? You know, I asked myself that as well. I, I never intended any of that to happen. Um, and I don't know that I've, I've necessarily created a tribe, you know, by, you know, Seth Godin's, you know, definition or anything. But I just have always been known as just really annoyingly perky and energetic and encouraging. I get razzed about it all the time. But it's just <laughs> something that 
I love to do. I love encouraging people, and, and I try to take a positive look on everything. I mean, even like when I was unexpectedly unemployed, you know, mm-hmm. I shared that and hopefully encouraged a lot of people through that. So it happened well, by it, accident. By accident. But yet it didn't <laughs> happen by accident. Obviously, you did something that you were intentional with with moving forward. How long have you been unemployed well, I was for about a four-month stint. Um, I am currently employed now, but um, during it was just so unexpected that you know what I did in response? I wrote a book. I mean, I just yeah. I, I just poured out the emotion into another story. I'm like, I'm going to make productive time, you know, use of my time, and I'm going to share, you know, what I'm going through, and hopefully encourage someone during that. Well, you know what? I love what you're saying because you said, you know, you kind of started. like a following accidentally, but you love to encourage other people. And that's one of the things that Pat and I are passionate about is how can we come alongside and help other people and help them succeed? And we really believe that everyone needs an advocate. And so we love being advocates for other people and helping them in any way we can. And, you know, we really believe that 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 just comes back around, you know, what, what you do for others, you know, and not that you do that for that reason, but it is amazing how it does come back around and, and creating those communities where we are really, we really do have each other's back and we're advocates and we're encouraging other people. And then taking that encouragement, like you said, you know, you, you went through a difficult time, you lose a job and you're hitting so where so many people are living right now because so many people have experienced that loss. And, and it, you know, it is really hard because you, you examine yourself and you go, okay, was that my identity? And did I just lose who I am? And instead of you can sit there and like Tish said earlier, you know, you can cry for a day. Um, after you give yourself permission to cry for a day or two, then how do you move forward? And like you said, you started writing. You know, and, and you found encouragement in that and go, I'm going to do something with that, something productive, take a situation that I, I do not really like and I didn't ask for it, but right. do something positive with it. So did exactly. you weep? Did you weep oh, yeah. for a day, Lynn? <laughs> I did. And, you know, I have been where Tish is, I mean, I've gotten the rejections. And you're right. You've got you to gotta weep. you got to feel it and then hopefully move on and move yeah. on in, a, in the right direction. Yeah, Absolutely. So how did you discover that you had that story inside? Because so many times when we were in those situations where we are weeping, we get paralyzed and, and we're in, or, you know, depressed or whatever. And we feel like I have nothing to give right now. My well is dry. How did you find, find your voice that was still there inside of you enough to get past that to start writing? You know, I, I really believe that everything happens for a reason, you know, and what Tish was, you know, taught on, touched on it as well. It's like when you go through the tough times, it, it forms you, it, it, it shapes you, and, you know, hopefully it propels you forward. But I've, I think I just have always had stories in me. I've never really paid attention to them. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when something big in your life, I mean, I was in the same job, same industry for eight years. And when that's all of a sudden taken, yeah, you know, I, I mourned it, okay? You really do go through the mourning process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mourned it and then moved forward, and I said, okay, what do you got for me, God? Lay it on me. And Mm -hmm. it just happened to be another story, and then another one, and then another one, and so I'm just just still writing. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that is so many times we just are waiting for something to happen, but really the the discipline comes in the doing, and we just think, okay, if I sit back, then it's just going to happen. And it goes back to having a choice and making life happen and, disciplining yourself and sitting down and like in your case, writing and going, there is something there. I'm just going to be disciplined enough to find the time to be still 
um, and to start writing. So, okay, tell us about a story that just kind of emerged that was significant from that time. Well, or is it underneath your bed, like Tish said? Hers is underneath her bed, never to be seen again. <laughs> I have a couple of those, trust me. They're, they're <laughs> hidden. They probably never see the light of day. Um, although my agent is awesome. You know, she's like always wanting to hear all of my stories, even if they're corny or not. So She doesn't but, read them and laugh like ours does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one was really just the story just pulled me out of reality, and I think that's really what helped. It's just about someone who's been alone and isolated. I mean, white hair, white eyes, telepathic, can't get close to anybody, you know, mm. felt so alone, but then how she found herself through all of that, you know. So it was kind of, I, I, it just, it really struck a chord with me, and I had a lot of fun with it. And, um, yeah, my agent does actually like it, so hopefully it'll go somewhere. <laughs> If okay, not, you have the bed you, you totally have me, Lynn. I I love that what you were just saying. That just sounds so intriguing to me. Well, thank you. So you, we have one minute left. If you can give the listeners a tip on on how to get going and um, just to get out of that, like you said, the grieving or just the you know the mourning stage of of weeping. Um, what would it be? For me, it's just getting up and and making an appointment with life. You know, like I have to get up, let me get showered, get dressed. Even if I don't have a job to go to, even if it just means I'm going to sit at my desk and either write or do job applications or something, I'm going to get up, I'm going to shower, I'm going to get ready for the day and just fake it till you make it. And I love that. I love that. Fake it till you make it. And Lynn, we so appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And you know, I, I mocked a friend one time when I asked her, you know, what she's, what is she doing to get out of her uh, paralysis of, of not knowing what to do in life? And she said, I get up and I take a shower every morning. And I laughed. Now that makes sense. So thanks, Lynn. And if you find out a little bit more about Lynn, you can go to GirlFriendIt.com. And we'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.